there ain't no tree for thousand miles. There's probably not a golf ball <laughs> in in Wyoming. No, I think the only golf ball that's there is like the guy named Golf, and it's like that's my ball. That's my ball. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a story on a chain link fence. He's a crazy son of a gun. I want to welcome you to the very first From Field to Play podcast. I'm pretty stoked about this. I've been thinking about doing this for quite a while, telling real stories about real people and real food. And today I'm joined with a couple dudes who are going through my From Field to Play class for the very first time. So let's get into this and let's chit chat and see what they have to say and what this is all about. And I cannot wait to bring you guys some cool content in the future. Start off, we'll just go around the table um, from my left all the way around to my right. Just say your name and kind of like where you're from. My name is Rob and I'm from Dallas, Texas. Yeah, and uh, my name's Thomas. I'm also from Dallas. Or the bearded guy because it's, it's, it's even better than mine. I'm just saying. It is a good beard. Marcos from the good city in Texas, Houston. <laughs> I'm Cody from south of Houston. Matt from south of Houston. I like you guys have to say south of Houston, but Marcus is like, oh, the greatest city in Houston. You're like, we're just south of that because we're like ashamed because we don't think Houston's very good. And and then you've got me from uh, California, (coughs) and uh, yeah, no, I mean, if if you would not know if I didn't tell you that I was from California, but so kind of what made you, and again, Cody, Matt, jump in and ask questions whenever you see fit. What made you want to sign up for this class? Because again, you know, there's 60,000 people on Instagram that are following it and within five minutes it was sold out. Like what, what drove you to want to fill a spot and and jump in wherever you want to jump in. doesn't really matter who starts or who finishes. So I also want to know the, like the background for it. So like, was it just you buying the spot or did you have like, your entire wife's family. Yeah, 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 I don't just want the simple. I want to know how many soldiers you have. Your on future, the field your your future wife's spot. family. Well, on that note, I guess I'll start. <laughs> but so I wanted to do the class. I've been wanting to do for one for a while, but just the timing wasn't right. But yeah, I saw that the pop up class was coming up, and I was really interested. I wanted to do it. Really, I wanted to do it because you know I'm a hunter. I've been hunting a long time, but. I wanted to be a little bit better of a hunter and see if I could improve and just improve my skill set. And, you know, I am I can skin and quarter a deer fine and take it to the processor, but I wanted to go beyond that and learn how to cut those individual cuts of cuts and roasts and things like that and grind it and trim it up. And I figured there were probably some things. I mean, like you said, you've cleaned, what, 300 deer a year? Sure, probably just in the past, like, four years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean – I do one a year, so there's definitely something I can learn. So that's what got me interested. Um, but anyway, I had told my fiance about it because I just recently got engaged, about to get married, and she, for for whatever reason, got just as excited as I was because I guess she saw how excited I was about it. So I thought it was no big deal. I was gonna work work during the day. I figured on my lunch break I'll just check it and see if I can get in. If not, no big deal. But little did I know, she contacted Jeremiah. Oh, a lot. Yeah, a, a lot. <laughs> Apparently, she sent a lot of emails. I know and more about you than you know about you. Yeah, I'm I, just have, I have. She's no a wonderful doubt. woman. She is. I'm a very lucky man. But Yeah, you're marrying up, and I've never even met her, so <laughs> just saying. 
So she, but she got like her whole family to follow his Instagram page and the, it was, the class was supposed to open up at 10 o'clock, I think, or 10 o'clock our time, I guess. Well, 10 o'clock my time, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which would be, okay, 10 o'clock in California, which would be noon in Texas, I think. So she got her whole family to follow his Instagram and she told them all about it and everybody was prepped that at noon on the dot, they were all going to sign up with my name to make sure I got a spot, which is just crazy. But so she sent him an email and I don't know what all was said, but, um, she got on it and was able to get a spot for me. And yeah, well, I told her, like I said, I, I, I'm releasing it at 10 a.m. Pacific time. And I ended up having to take my kids to school and I had a conference call with a, with a company. And so I told Cody, they said, hey, I'm going to throw it up at 8 o'clock just because I, I'm, I'm gone from 8 to 11. So I, there's no time for me to do that. They're like, okay, great. And literally at 8.01, it was like, boop. Uh, yep. I, got, I got like my PayPal and I was like, I I called them. I was like, uh, got a spot already. Got a spot. Yeah. <laughs> and then like a minute later, it's like, boop, 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 boop. And it was like, all of them were sold out. And I was like, what? It, like, yep. and I realized it was all Texas people and Texas people <laughs> apparently don't know what Pacific standard time is. They just saw 10 o'clock. Got to get on, which actually worked out real well because like I said, it's a, it, it was fun. So yeah, absolutely. But yeah. And I'm, I'm like I said, I'm excited you're here and excited to kind of help you through the process of, what you want to learn and what you don't want to learn, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's been great so far. Had a productive first day. Feels like it's been a week. No, not, <laughs> <laughs> no, not yet. No. <laughs> Tomorrow morning. No. <laughs> I'll be okay. Must have been that dove I had to pluck for you. Really threw me over the edge. All right, who's next? I'll, I'll go next, but. Huh? He's, uh, I know, he's I'm going a little, through I'm a little, I'm a little hoarse. Apologize. <laughs> <laughs> sound, uh, sound pretty bad, but. Uh, Robert and I have been good friends for a long, long time. I'm going to be his best man at his wedding. And he messaged me at work. Hey, just signed up for this. Only four spots left. So I immediately hopped on my phone, got on, signed up. I think we signed up within two minutes of each other. other. (laughs) You know, didn't didn't hesitate really at all. And uh, basically, I just wanted to come take this class because as Jeremiah and I were talking earlier, just unsatisfied with the whole, you know, I'm able to shoot it, skin it, gut it, quarter it, but just unsatisfied with taking it to the processor, you know, and what that finished product was. And I just wanted to learn to do it myself, you know, not have to take it to a processor, learn how to break it down, learn all the bigger cuts, how to do this and that, how to cook it, and uh, that's about it. I followed you. Um, that's extreme. Shared your oh yeah, like the week <clears throat> before, and so um, my work calendar because that's the one I follow. I I put it on there as a reminder. Hey, at this time, go on there and sign up for this class. So uh, yeah, it's, I'm a I'm a soldier of one. I really don't have a lot of people to rely on. I guess I have, I have a girlfriend now, so. Hopefully that works out. But, uh, yes, I made that, looked at it, and yeah, was able to get in. Um, want to take this class. I didn't grow up hunting. Uh, a lot of the things you said yesterday about minorities and the opportunity, just no opportunity. Um, hunting's expensive in Texas, and like we barely had money for you know, groceries, much less if I would have told my mom, hey, give me a couple thousand dollars to I'm gonna go shoot a deer. She would have told me, we don't even own a gun. How are we going to go <laughs> shoot a deer? <laughs> <laughs> and what gang did you join? What would have been her questions? But uh, uh, first time I joined the Army, um, I 
was in Oklahoma, and a buddy I started hanging out with, his parents had was from Oklahoma, had a large ranch, and he took me out there, and I fell in love with it. Um, and I've done it off and on since then, but just, again, I, I, I do relatively well now, but it's a high barrier to entry. If you don't know anybody with land, if you don't know, you know, going to A&M, I met a lot of guys, and they'd be like, oh, yeah, this land's been in my family for 20 years. Well, you know, or my dad works for this company, and they have a lease. Well, if you don't have any of that. So I did a lot of pay to get on on ranches, and you know, you, you know sometimes it was high fence, sometimes it was low fence, and it was I'm gonna say relatively easy. I would you know get my 30 out six or my AR, and from 100 yards I'd shoot a deer, and then that was it for me. And I always felt like I was cheating the game, like I was like I'm going in there, I'm shooting this deer, and then I'm going home and I'm taking it to like somebody's doing all this work for me. I really don't. I never felt the pride. Um, last year I shot a fellow and I just decided I'm going to take it. I got it quartered uh, by the guide. And then I said, I'm going to not go into the processor. Um, and so when this class popped up, it was perfect storm. I was like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to do it myself. Uh, I want to have the pride that I did it myself. Not that, you know, I'm relying on four other people to, to hunt. I think that's probably like the biggest thing. Cause, cause for me, I like, I grew up bird hunting. We talked about that last night. Like that was my, my passion. So when it came to big game, I had zero clue. Um, I've only been big game hunting for 10 years. This is my 10th year big game hunting. And it wasn't in the family. It was, you know, you, you asked me about shotguns and I will tell you the ins and outs of every shotgun and how to shoot a bird. <clears throat> you can ask me about rifles and scopes now and I'm the same way, but back then it was completely different. And so when it came into butchering, I did the same thing. I took it to a processor one time and never again <clears throat> because of that same thing. It's like I'm spending all this time, all this effort, all this money to do it. And then I get back this wrapped meat, you know, in saran wrap and butcher paper. And I don't know what to do with it. I don't know the cuts. I had no one to walk me through it. And so that's what really fo- like threw me into it. The next year I got tags for Wyoming again. <clears throat> and I literally started – this is really before th- – the YouTube push of everyone being YouTube butchers. And like the only YouTube videos that were on there were, you know, the rednecks and the sticks like, okay, we're going to put a golf ball in the, in the hide <laughs> and drive the truck and watch it skin. Right. And I'm going, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm in the middle of Wyoming. You know, the Gill brothers went out there. There ain't, there ain't no tree for a thousand miles. There's probably not a golf ball in, <laughs> in Wyoming. In no, I think the only golf ball that's there is like the guy named golf and, it's like that's my ball. That's my ball. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a story on a chain link fence. He's a crazy son of a gun. <clears throat> but you look at this, and I said I got to do it. So for me, it was a lot of reading. It was a lot of looking at old books, um, looking at old French cooking videos, um, because the French were big on on. Um, the, the, the French were big at, on butchering and really doing all those fancy cuts. There's a reason it's called, you know, the Frenched out rack. There's a reason it's called a King's crown. There's a reason that things are called because the French were so adamant on the perfection of these cuts and, and serving it under glass. And so for me, it was one of those deals where when I went on Instagram 10 years ago, the only real guys doing it were the old guys, which were like, or the wrapped in bacon and making jalapeno poppers with everything. Or like Texas, it was like chili no beans and jalapeno poppers, you know. <laughs> and yeah. and then you 
but then you go up to Wisconsin, you go up to Minnesota, and it was like, okay, we're gonna grind it and we're gonna make hot dishes and we're gonna make potato, you know, potato casserole. It was all casserole dishes. And then you move down, you go to like Wyoming, and everything is tenderized to be a country fried steak. Like everything goes through the tenderizer to be country fried steak, and that's, and so it really started opening my eyes to this idea that there's there's a whole world of hunting that a lot of people are not shown. And for me personally, that's really kind of where this whole from field to plate thing started was going places, learning things, using that cultural anthropology mindset that I, that I have to understand culture. And, and so, I mean, the Gill brothers are sitting here too. Like what, what made you guys in the first place, like want to reach out to me years, I mean, a couple of years ago or a year ago now yeah. and like yeah. want to get involved and become, I mean, now I consider you guys brothers Absolutely. and like, where did that all start for you guys? Man, with me, uh, I mean, we've been hunting our entire life. I've grown up at our ranch. I mean, there isn't a time where I didn't know hunting and gutting and quartering, but that's all we did. That's where it stopped with the quartering. Um, and I just wanted to take it to the next level on the cooking aspect of it, and I still do. Um, you were talking about the French dishes and how it is just perfection with it. That's to the area where I want to go with it all. And, I mean, I'm don't plan on being a chef by any means, but life's too short to eat a crappy meal. So there's no point to go to McDonald's if I can go home and make a burger. Yeah, I uh, I was in the same same thing as y'all guys where it was come out here, shoot three deer in a weekend, quarter them up, have a good time. Monday morning, drop them off at the processor. A week later, I go pick them up, and everything's gray. Nothing looks like fresh meat anymore, you know. Sat in coolers on ice and water and and suck the flavor out. It sat in mm-hmm. on the processor shelves and amongst everyone else's gear and it just kind of it lost what it was. It lost its like real flavor, I guess. And uh, you mean gaminess? Gamey. I love I love the gamey taste. I'm about that life. And uh, I just I don't know. It, it felt like a simple way to go. I mean. My family, we eat like six to seven deer a year. We don't have to buy beef. It's it's nice, you know. But I was taking everything to the processor. It was still cheaper than buying beef, but but it wasn't any better, you know. Now we got a grinder. We got everything here. Jeremiah has taught us a bunch on it, and that's that's where I wanted to get with it, to where I don't have to rely on a processor. I can be completely self-sufficient, you know, one bullet of work leads to two hours in the cleaning shed and, I don't know, 40 meals, kind of worth it. Yeah, I mean, I you've heard me say it and you'll say it again, like, to me, the trigger pull is the least most important part of it, but as the hunting industry, the trigger pull is the most important part. Um, all the videos that you watch, all the podcasts you listen to, all the TikToks you watch, everything is about that trigger pull and about the smoked them. Kill shot. The kill shot and the trophy shot. And, I mean, you guys can attest to this. It's, I am who I am. I mean, I, my passion, as soon as the animal gets hung up, is where my passion starts. Um, Going and watching them is so much fun. Today, we were just, you know, Thomas and I were watching bucks, and we were talking about, the joy we got from, like, not once. I mean, 
pretty soon they're like, just shoot the bucks. We're like, oh, we're just watching them. <laughs> like, um, it was it was one of those points where it was just fun to watch the little spikes. Yeah. Like, fight. It was fun to watch a six-pointer come in and a little spike, like, I'm bigger than you. Um, it's 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 cool to watch deer mannerism and, and learn from that. But when the shot's taken, it's taken. And getting to the skinning shed and seeing two deer hanging this morning, like, I got giddy. I, I told Matt earlier, <laughs> like, when <laughs> he came rolling up and we went outside and we're talking, I said, Matt, it was funny. The deer got strung up and Jeremiah just flipped the switch. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, like, his excitedness was, like, showing everywhere. He was just, that that's his thing. That's his element. It was, I don't know. I noticed it. And told yeah. Matt I, mean, I don't know if you guys noticed it, too. It's just, like, that's my passion. And looking at your injury and exit wounds and being a mm-hmm. detective and following, like, I mean, what were your thoughts, like, the f- seeing those animals hanging? Like, I didn't have the best shot. So, uh, <laughs> when I had that, I was disappointed. But then when you, the way you showed me, okay, this is the way we save this. This is what you don't want to save this. Why you can't save this. So, just, or I think a lot of other people that I've met before would have been like, oh, that, that, that's it. Like, they would have gotten rid of maybe even a whole side of a deer. And you were like, no, you can save this. You can save that. And then beyond that, you were like, you don't want to save this because of this. Can you eat it? Yes. Is it going to still smell like this when you cook it? Yes. And like, so now you're just serving bad meat to people. And so that was, that was, that was really cool. The other thing I also really like is when I'm around people that have hunted off a lot more. You know, Cody was telling me today about like, oh, well, she hasn't gone in heat yet because she still has two young bucks with her. Yeah, there's two, two, two babies with a mama. Two babies with a mama. And he's like, and so just learning that, learning deer movement, learning deer you know what what exactly they do it's just to me it's it's i love that that's you know, learning about nature and yeah seeing how they push each other and everything is nice it was funny that we had a pretty good young buck come walking in and we're watching it we got the binos up i was like man he's not moving his left ear and marcos goes why did you notice that <laughs> i was like man i don't know like yeah. i i i mean with that spot you know i try to find little things to id the deer and everything but he's like, man, why? Why you did you pick that, that up? Yeah, like, how'd you pick that up? Of, he, we watched him for five minutes. You picked that up? Yeah, really? and I, I watched him when he said it. It was clear as day. Now, I was yeah, like, yeah, his left ear keeps hanging. It just keeps hanging off. But I would have never looked at the deer and said, like, there's something wrong with his left ear. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was impressive. No, and I think, and I think it's cool too that like learning to decipher between what is a good animal to shoot, like. People imagine us as these these mindless killers that come out here and just see an animal. It's like, oh, I got to kill that. I got to shoot that animal. I got to murder it. I got to, ah, like, ah, pour blood all over my face and, and, <laughs> and conquer this animal. And that's why I hate those bow poses where the bow is above the head and they're standing over the animal and grab. It's like, yeah. I conquered this animal. It's like, you didn't conquer anything. You made a good shot. Um, and sometimes you see a shot play, but says, you made a bad shot. And you, track, <laughs> you called in dogs to track that deer, to find that deer, because I know where that, but... But learning that, seeing that, when we talk about going into to heat, well, we're in that time where they, they should have been bred, yeah. right? And so we're looking at, do we shoot bred does? Do we not shoot bred does? If the fawns, now mind you, these are fawns that were born back in April. Yeah. They're, they're, they're weaned. They're just, um, hey, mama. Just out, yeah, man. they're just hanging out with mom, you know, going to the zoo. And it's learning that versus, okay, well, hey, that doe is all by herself walking there, you know, like, you can still look at her color of her of her fur and her her teeth. 
but for me too, it's like looking at the inside of animal, like looking at the kidneys, looking at the the liver, looking at, you know, I get, again, ripping out those kidneys. I don't know what it is, but I just excited. That was one it. thing that, that I did learn that how you can, you can look at the inside of the animal. You can look at the kidneys. You can look at how much fat is on that kidney yeah. and that can tell you how healthy that deer is or, you know, what that deer might be lacking as far as, you know, food, water. Yeah. No, it, I mean, you drive around and see the animals, you know, they, they look like a healthy deer, look like a healthy deer. You get one on the ground and you open it up. I mean, the inside is where all the nutrients actually goes. It's where everything goes to the animal, you know. How's it processing? And if it's not processing the food properly or if it's lacking in vitamins and stuff, like you immediately can tell once you're inside of it. It's crazy. And see, like, take a step further. Like, when I go hunting sometimes, it's it's gross, but I'll, when I'm in a new area with a new animal, I'll cut open the stomach. Or if it's a bird, I'll look inside its gullet or I'll look inside um, mm-hmm. its gizzard because what it's doing is it's telling me what the animal's eating. <clears throat> it's telling me where that animal's going. And so when I'm look, so like turkeys, I'll, I'll sit and, and open up, you know, the, the gullet of a turkey, and I'm fingering through this. And I'm like, okay, so it's eating. In California, they eat a lot of pineapple weed, which is this little, looks like a... Um, so it's what they use for tea, uh, like cal- like um, uh, chamomile or chamomile, whatever you say, however you say that. I don't, I don't drink tea. Um, it's just dirty water. But you you look for that, and also you see it's gullet full of it, and you open another turkey, and you see it's gullet full of it. As a hunter, all of a sudden, I'm starting to think, what am I going to look for <laughs> yeah. next time I'm scouting if all their gullets are filled with this? So, like, looking at these deer and realizing that, they're not eating as much sage as they used to because most of these didn't have any sage in them. They didn't have it. Like, we had one, you know, uh, Marco said he had that bad shot. It was a, a bullet tumbled, hit hit a branch or something, and, and it tumbled and ricocheted and you know, had a little bit of intestines, and but it hit everything else the way it should have. But looking at the inside of that, it was a lot of this, this native grass that's grown out here because of the rains, because of the – well, that helps – the guys at the ranch realize where the deer are going and where to look for them. We're going to look for them in the river bottoms. Right. We're going to look for them on, on, on the, you know, the west side of the hills because that's where the grass is growing. Like, it really starts to play into this idea of it. Um, but I don't know. It just To me, it's exciting that you guys are here, and it's exciting that I've done this, you know, you guys almost four, 399 people with you guys now that I've taken, adults that I've taken out, not including kids. <clears throat> And you can tell the people who are truly passionate, who truly want it, and the people that are just there to shoot a deer. Because I have done tons of people who are just there to shoot a deer, who who aren't asking the questions, who aren't coming back and, okay, well, what do I, is this correct? Is this, you know, you talked earlier about the knife, right? The way you were handling a knife, I come over and I'm going to correct correct it to make it easier, right? Like the sharpest part of your knife is the flattest part of your knife. And when you're sitting there trying to poke at something with the tip, it's it's never going to cut when you've got a seven-inch blade <laughs> and you're trying to work at it with a quarter of an inch at a time when you've got a seven-inch stroke that can – I was going to hit my thing and laugh. Like, but I'm bummed with a seven-inch stroke. But um, when you – long strokes too. So you can... <laughs> there we go. Drum roll. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, but you sit there and you start learning this thing. And – Tomorrow when we get in, we're, we're letting the deer hang. They're all washed. They're all clean. They're hanging. Tomorrow when we get in these deer, you're really going to understand how simple it all is. 
how incredibly simple it is and how people are just lazy and how people are just not, I don't know. I mean, that's the only word for it is lazy. Yeah. Is in, I don't care if someone's like, oh, it's just not my passion. I'm not motivated. No, it's because you're, you're lazy about it. You can put in all that time to go sit in a blind for three days and you can't spend two hours breaking down a deer. Well, it's not my passion because you want to kill something. So, like like Matt, Matt's all about the kill. Used to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's come a long way. But, I mean, e- even in a year watching, you know, when I was here a year ago to where you guys are now, it's your guys' your guys's passion already, but you're already spreading it to all the old-timers that are here. Right, yeah. And I think that's the crazy thing is, as as a society, we're so big on youth, like teaching the youth, Right. We got to get the kids out there. We got to get the kids out there. We got to get. How many kids have you seen? Okay, so Thomas, you work at Cabela's. Uh, yeah. Uh, plug for Cabela's. You used to sponsor me. Let's talk. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm back, back and ready to go. But how many how many kids under the age of 16 have you seen drive themselves into Cabela's, drop a couple grand on a gun and ammo and gear, and then leave by themselves? Uh, you don't. You no, really no, I mean, I mean, it's, it's yeah. got to be astronomical amounts, right? Because we're yeah. taking youth hunting. So there has to be so many of these, like, 12-year-old kids going no. to Gabela's and dropping a grand on... No, they, they, they're just going in there to look at the taxidermy. No, they're, but we're, we're taking kids hunting, and they're, this, this is the problem that, that lies in, is I can take a kid hunting, but if I don't get their parents to buy in, there's no buy-in to that kid at all. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. And that kid feels let down. I've taken out many of inner city kids, many youth, and I see them come to the same program year after year after year after year. I was like, they're like, no, this is the only one I come to because it's free, put on by the state of California. I can come out and shoot three pheasant. Where's your dad? Where's this? No, I, I, uh, my, my, my uncle's in the car. He dropped me off, right? There's no buy-in. There's no, there's, the parents don't care. And then the pheasants, if he brings them home, they don't eat them. They sit in the fridge. They go bad. They, and so for, for me, I look at it as like, how can we change that narrative? And, and in that, it's the it's the R three program. It's it's a federally granted program now, which is bringing adults into hunting, and and teaching. Oh, you're good, and teaching the parents, teaching teaching them, and then having the youth come after. Right, like we're talking about doing a family hunt, where the whole family comes. The mom, the dad, the moms don't want to. The moms can sit here and chit chat and do whatever and and have a good time. And the kids can go run around with our kids with BB guns and shoot shoot dove off the power line and all the quail they want, and we'll take the dads out or vice versa. Our wives will take the wives out and go sit in a blind, and we'll take the guys out to the kitchen and cook, or we'll go take it like. But to buy in this whole family idea, this whole mentality, you said growing up, you know, like poverty, and we, you and I talked really a long time last night about like inner city kids. There's a lack of that parental figure. I'm not just gonna say dads. There's a lack of the parental figures and your parents have to work and they have to provide for the, for their kids and you have to go to school. There isn't this, there's just this need for it. But if I can build up you who can look there and say, you know what? I do know some kids that need to get out, but I want to teach them and I want to be their mentor and I want to walk alongside them. It's a lot different than just like, Hey, we're having a free weekend. Kids come out and yeah. shoot something. All of a sudden they have a mentor. They have someone they can look up to. They have someone that they can, they can feel backed and supported with in, in that, in that culture. You know, I got kids that I still talk to that I've taken out on hunts who, like we said last night, one of them is becoming a, 
a fish and game wildlife manager who was in a gang years ago because of one hunt that we sat there and did together. And I've kept up with him. Hey, how is this? How is this? Now he lives in Texas. I live here. It's not like I can take him out, but I really think it's, it's getting you guys excited about it because next time you go out with your buddies or your, your uncle has a lease or your, your, your friend has a lease or whatever. And you sit there and you're like, Hey, let me show you something. And then you sit there with them and I tell everyone, I can only teach you once. I can show you a million times, but I can only teach you once. And from there, it's your job to teach someone else. I've told this guy, these guys this. After I teach you, it is my job's not done, but it's now your job to take what you've learned, as horrible as you are, going <laughs> to butcher that meat. At the end of the day, it's just another meatball. You cannot ruin any. Tomorrow when we're butchering, nothing you can do can ruin that meat. It's already dead. Nothing. You cut a steak wrong, guess what? Stew. You know, you you miss a little bit on the back strap, guess what? We're going to carve that off, and that's going to be another meatball. You, you do this, great. That's going to go right into our, our, our chorizo mix. Like, nothing you do can ruin it. And I think that's where a lot of people get scared. I mean, I have a lot of people. I mean, you're shaking your head. You're agreeing. Fear is a factor when yeah. you're butchering yourself, right? Like, what's your greatest fear with a dead animal hanging right there? Yeah, I'm going to ruin some of the meat. Now, like, I've one. Did I now kill that animal in vain? Like I, I'm not even utilizing. Like I, just my personally, I don't. I won't shoot anything that I'm not going to eat. So if I shoot something, I plan to. I plan to eat in it. Um, so now, did I kill that animal in vain? I killed, you know, a creature for no reason. So that is always my biggest fear. That's my biggest fear of why I never even quartered myself because I'd be like, well, you know, I paid for this and the animals on here, and if I mess it up, now I, you know, and and. Also, nobody wants to look like an idiot. So you're, when you're the when you're the new person in, and you're around a bunch of people that grew up hunting, you're the new person in. You're like, oh well, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing, and everybody else is like, what are you, an idiot or something? And it's like, well, I just I never done this before. Right. So it's, it's and nobody wants to teach. Nope. Uh-huh. And nobody wants to take, and no one wants to sit, and no one wants to spend the time. And I think that's the biggest problem is you'll find a lot of these celebrities too are like, oh yeah, I want to teach, I want to grow, I want to show. I have been with them. I have seen when someone asks them a question and they go, right? Ask me the dumbest question in the world and I get excited to try to answer it. And I'm not tooting my own horn, but it's, it's the passion that I have is it's not about me. And I've said this, I'll say it again. If I could give up shooting animals for the rest of my life, but be there for people's experiences to learn how to hunt or butcher, I'd do it in a heartbeat. I would never pull the trigger again in my entire life. If it meant I can go sit in a blind with you and chit chat and get to know all about you, take it back to the skin and shed and you have me ask questions and feel comfortable and confident to go do it yourself. Plain and simple. And I love hunting. But if it meant that I could do that for the rest of my life, I'd be like, there you go. And I think that's where the difference lies is a lot of people want to do it for themselves and get that glory out of, hey, look what I did. For me, it's like, oh my gosh, look what Thomas did. Look what Cody did. Like, I love sharing. Oh, my gosh, look what. Like, my friend's brother shot a cow elk. And he sends me a picture. And I'm sending it to everybody. I'm posting it on my Instagram. I'm like, look at what he sh- look at what Will shot. Right? It's a cow elk. He's 13 years old. It was awesome. But it was, you know, he's one of the coolest kids I've ever met. If you're listening, Will, I love you. And, uh, but it's it's this aspect that I think a lot of people are so scared of. It's they're, they're scared to fail. They're scared to mess up. And they're scared to look like an idiot. 
you know, I think the best part is looking like an idiot. Today, when I went down on your to cut your neck and the blood squirted out all over me, I was like, ah, whatever, kept going, right? <laughs> How many people would have got up? Oh my gosh, oh, it's like, well, I mean, it's, I, I'm not changing my pants for the rest of the week. Um, but I mean, Rob, you know, Rob, what are your thoughts on like, because I know you've, you've killed deer, you've skinned deer, like, have you, learned anything already have like what are you taking away just from getting the hide and you know the, the hide and guts out i haven't i'm actually going to refer to my list because we you were talking list well we were, we were talking about it earlier like Mr. i was talking after right undercover after cop right after we, we, we finished talking <laughs> i talked to thomas and listed out like five things and oh, i was nice. talking to you i only had like two things to say so was it how attractive i am absolutely well, that's number, number one. one yeah for sure number one and number two so 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 i got a list one was just um cleaning around the anus and hanging the deer up by its hind legs as opposed to from the neck. And that's how I would normally do it. And just cutting around the anus makes it a lot cleaner job because you can just pull it out whenever you gut it as opposed to if it's on the ground, it'd be a little bit harder. But I think you could still do it. But doing that, once you gut it, you just reach in and pull everything out. You don't have to You don't have to split the that pelvic bone, and there's little to no risk of busting any guts or piss bags or anything like that. So one thing I'll talk about on that is – a lot of guys will get in there and just cut that pelvic bone. Yeah, yeah, that's, the, what, I, that's what I so do. The problem with that is, think about what we, when I was talking to you about introducing bacteria. When you split that pelvic bone, what's happening to those inner stakes? They're, They're now exposed. completely exposed. exposed. Yeah. On the outside of that meat, what was I showing you guys about that fascia that hardens and creates this protective, right? Now we're introducing things where fascia isn't being yep. a part of, and there's there's not this not protective, protective layer. Yeah. And we're like, oh, we're just going to throw it in the back of my truck and bounce around in the dirt and now we're going to go home, we're going to eat it, and the processor's going to cut off an inch and a half because it's dead, right? And it's hard, and it's dark, and it's it's no longer edible meat, and you've now lost two meatballs. I'm all about the meatballs, baby. <laughs> like, and you've now lost them. So I think that's a, an observation. And today, yeah, for sure. like tonight, if you get one on the ground, guess what? We're gutting it on the ground. Like, we're going yeah. we're we're, we're to go through that process, and we're going we're gonna, to, you know, gut it on the ground and do the whole this is what it is and show you the different process. Cause for me, I grew up hunting on the ground. The first time I came to Texas, I said, what are y'all doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why, why are you, why are you pulling the deer up? Like, I don't, I literally, I looked, I looked at it and I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like I have no, the, the anatomy is the same, but the process is completely different, you know? And it was like, I came from that mentality where you skin half to flop it over to deep, to take it off the body, to put it in your backpack. Cause you're hiking nine miles out. Now these Texans are just throwing it back of a truck, hanging it up, and rolling it into a cooler. I'm like, what? The? I mean, now I'm I'm excited to eventually one day buy a ranch and have a cooler. And just yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's where, where I don't have to, but I love like being in Wyoming and doing. Okay, go on. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll try to buzz through it. No, okay, go, I just another thing like on the leg joints, especially on the hind legs. That that's always given me a ton of trouble, just skinning around them and getting. That starter cut up where, where the gland, up where the scent glands and stuff are uh, up there uh, towards the back. where the Achilles, Achilles. yeah, yeah Achilles, where, tendon? Where the Achilles tendon is, and not not even worried about cutting the tendon because I've always been able to do that. But I would always just use the tip of the knife and work my way all the way around it really slow, mm. and it's kind of hard to describe on air. But you basically hold the knife really flat, kind of parallel to the leg, and when you do that and just shave all the way around, it does it a lot more efficiently. So that was awesome. That was a big takeaway for me. Um, when you so when we get the deer, we cut 
down down the belly, and we, we start to pull the guts out. And as we get there, I've always just split the sternum. I've always taken, like, a big, sharp, fixed-blade knife and just ripped all the way through it, and it works out fine. But a trick that I learned today was go to the side and cut through those ribs on the side. And I've seen that before, and I always just thought people were stupid and they didn't know what they were doing. But now I know that they were smarter than I was because <laughs> it's the easier way to do it. You mean go through a one-inch bone or go through <laughs> yeah. little itty-bitty bones that just go all the way exactly. So that was a lot better. Yeah, you're an idiot. Then it being everything being upside down before we rinsed it off to get all the hair and stuff off, just cutting a little drain hole. So I saw on Marcos's deer, he actually cut a drain hole. On mine, did on mine, I cut the trachea out completely because I'll use it for like chew toys for the dogs. And that's made a, a great idea. I wonder who you learned that from. It made a perfect hole in the bottom. Yep. Um, then, t- yeah, two more things. When before we put it in the cooler to, to rest before we go continue butchering, you about halfway cut off the front shoulders and then opened them up. It just, just folded them back that way they can open up and air out and breathe. That's a pretty neat trick. I'll take that with me. Well, you think about how hot yeah. that pocket and that stays. Yeah. And there's times you go into the deer <clears throat> six hours later and the whole deer's cold and you open up that and it's like all gelatinous and warm. Well, it, and even when we when we got to where we were actually doing that, when we opened it, so we, at that point the deer was skin gutted super clean. And when we opened that up, there was a bunch of bloodshot meat and bloody fascia and stuff that, that we didn't even see because it was trapped in that joint. So that was big. And then also a bullet knife. I've never heard of a bullet knife. Um, I'll let you describe it, but it was a, that was a pretty neat phenomenon. So I'll have to see if I can get my hands on one of those. Yeah, so that, that was awesome. So a bolt tip knife. It's a again talking about looking at old butchering techniques. Um, I'm kind of a I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to a lot of old cookbooks, old old world stuff. Um, so much so that you know I, I buy cookbooks that are from like 1800s just to sit there and read them and understand some of the things I don't understand how to measure because it's like. A handful of this. <laughs> All right. Um, but one of the things in, in these old, a lot of these old sheep um, butchers and goat butchers, what they would be doing in, in Ireland and in Scotland, um, in France, Italy, you look at all these guys who are really big sheep herders, and what they would have is they had this bullet tip knife. And it was a knife that's curved that sharp on the opposite side of the curve. So most knives you think like a, like a scimitar knife, it's got that beautiful curve, with that nice sharp blade on the inside. This is a, a like a reverse curve, so imagine it on the underside of the rainbow versus the top of the rainbow, okay? And at the at the tip, it is a blunt tip. They call it a bullet. It looks like, I mean, a 9-millimeter bullet. Yeah, I mean, you know? it literally looks like, like it was jammed, like the tip of the knife was jammed into a bullet. So it, it it's like a it's like the nine it's like a nine millimeter you like know Luger, Luger bullet round. you know tip on there and it's blunt and what that does is that actually allows you to get into that animal without fear of the tip right I hate the tip of a knife you all I've, we've talked about this and the problem is a lot of people are scared to get in the gut cavity because of oh if you touch the guts you taint the meat and you lose it all how many times have you heard that or heard people say that or like. Yeah. Oh, right. You guys are all shaking your head and which is false by the way. And, um, so stinks real bad, but even like Marcos, you know, his deer had, had guts coming out by the shoulder because of the way that the bullets stuff and the first smell was completely awful. After I cut away and showed you how to clean it and actually take care of it. What did it smell like? Like Like deer meat, meat, right? And there'd be no one there. He maybe lost eight meatballs total. Um, 
ตัวมาเมจอร์ทิงส์ฟรอมเฮียร์อ่าเราเราเราเราเราเราเราเราเราเราเราเราเราเราเราเราเราเราเราเราเราเราเราเราเราเราเราเราเราเราเราเราเรา
beautiful, you know, and delicious way. And so if I have all these jagged edges versus a beautiful, thin, beautiful piece of meat, which are you going to want to eat? I mean, both. But one's going to plate this incredible way. And why I'm so adamant on beautiful plates is it's a gateway drug to our hunting industry. It is a way for us to get our our in-laws involved. It's a way for me to get my daughter's friends involved. If I can make it look good, they're going to want to try it. If I make it look like crap, they're going to be like, I'm, I, don't, I, I don't like wild game, sorry. But if I present a meal that, the, the, the reason I came up with French racking bones was to present it in a way that people were comfortable seeing a tomahawk, but just a little midget version of it, right? No offense to the boys at my, right? It fits our style. I <laughs> get it. <laughs> but how can I do, and I'm, I'm constantly in that mindset of, growing and not staying stagnant so much so that like we get here i'm like oh my gosh i saw this french video from 1963 and the boy's like "Uh, let's do it right (laughs) and and it's this butchering video and it's working i just got to figure out which how to get the meat the perfect temperature to to do this and it's i get excited because then it's something that i could pass on that's been lost it's been lost for generations that people did that worked and instead we get in this fast food mindset we're like "Ah, i'm just gonna go pick up a rotisserie chicken from walmart or heb i don't i don't have the time to put it in the oven and cook a a good one same thing goes to the hunting it's like i'm just gonna hack away at this backstrap to take that silver skin off it's just it's just quicker that way versus like oh look i'm done and it's gorgeous yeah that that's your style this is how i do it so anyway enough of me we do need to get out though. We need to get Thomas a deer. Um, but we'll, we'll we're gonna do another one of these. We just kind of want to do like introductory, and then tomorrow night we'll sit down after like the long day of butchering and really ask you guys how how sore your back is. Because um, those those because those tables are short. Those tables are meant for me. And yeah. we're all tall. Last time I sat on a bucket because <laughs> I was like I got to be the right height to do this kind of stuff. Yeah. But anyway, you guys have anything to say before we get out on this first? Episode? Perfect. Always fun. Always a pleasure. You know what I always say? The first who don't succeed is just another meatball. (laughs) I hate that intro. I was just, it's on the board and I wanted to push it. So, all right. We's out.